Okay, if you would please turn to uh, Philippians 3. This has been a hard, hard passage for me to get into and to have a lot of comments or a lot of information about, but we're going to read uh, through the entire third chapter and back up a little bit and read a few verses out of chapter 2 because he refers back to that. And I'm sure Dwayne read those when he finished chapter 2, but as they always say, you only remember 5% or whatever after a week or two, and so we're going to go back and see what he's referring to here in the first couple of verses. Before I begin, let's open with prayer. Father, I thank you for this day, for this body, for the opportunity we have to work together and to worship together, and I ask that you would... uh, be here among us as we read this Holy Scripture and that it would apply to those who have um, needs today and that it would speak to each one of us in a way that it hasn't before. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to begin at chapter Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. So, since he's writing the same thing, let's go back to chapter 2, verse 12, and read. We're going to read six verses here. This is what he's referring to. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, So now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world." holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Okay, now let's go back to... Where we had started, (coughs) excuse me, verse 2, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now, this is Paul speaking. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, 
as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Now, when he starts out in verse 1, talking about rejoicing in the Lord. Now, there's times when we rejoice, and it may not be rejoicing in the Lord. And there's also times when we do not feel like rejoicing about anything, but we can still Rejoice in the Lord because we have this knowledge and this faith that Jesus is there and he's walking with us and maybe carrying us at whatever low point we are in our life. But we can still rejoice. It's not a ha ha happy, happy rejoice necessarily, but it's that inner Knowledge that he is there and he will bring us through whatever it is that we are facing. And in a group this large, there's going to be somebody who's facing challenges of one kind or another. And then in uh, the second verse, he talks about people that we are to watch out for that will lead us astray. And he's talking about dogs, but he's not talking about your lap dog that you have in the house and you feed canned dog food to or organic whatever. He's talking about the dog that's out in the junkyard that's hungry and he's after you and he's willing to do whatever to you. And he's referring to those people who would do the same to us. Dogs, evildoers, and those who mutilate the flesh. And he goes on to say, we should worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ and put no confidence in the flesh. Now, in Sunday school this morning, we were talking about David and Jonathan and how that they were trying to figure out what Saul was actually going to do to David. And somebody said, you know, I... Rely too much on myself. And there's probably not a person in here that some point that couldn't say the same thing. How much do we, how much are we like a two-year-old that says, me do it myself? That's the phrase that I heard over and over over the years in that age group was, me can do it myself. Well, yes, I can try, but... That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about relying on Jesus to be that uh, who we're going to put confidence in. The true Christian gives all credit for what he is to Christ. 
And there again, we can say, well, I did this and I did that. And look what happened. And tomorrow it might be I did this and I did that. And wow, look what happened. This all fell apart. But not with God. So let's go on. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or imperfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. For one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Now, how many times have you heard the word change and you cringe? But now wait a minute. There are things that you want to change, and you can't wait to change them. Whether it's the wallpaper in your house or the paint, or now I'm dating myself, okay, wallpaper. Or whatever it is you want to do in your home, or the vehicle you're going to drive, or whatever. We're all about change. But then Seth and his cronies come along, and they put the tent up, and what happened to us other guys? We didn't get to help. That's change. It was change for the good. And it's, there's going to be change every day that we're alive. But he's saying, forgetting what lies behind. Do we have a problem with that? Forgetting what happened to us, to somebody else. And then he goes on and says, and straining forward to what lies ahead. What happens when we're doing that? Are we fearful? Are we afraid that it might not work out like we had planned? I mean, Friday night, 5 o'clock. Here we are. We're ready for serve barbecue. There's a nice line. Great. Everything's great. 45 minutes, there's no line. It's like, oh, now what are we going to do? Ten minutes, there was a line again. We're not in charge. We're not in control of that. All we can do is be prepared. And he's saying, straining forward. He's not talking about just walking forward. He's talking about working at it. Like you're on the end of a rope playing tug of war and you are... Either going to go your way or you're going into the mud hole that's in the center. You're straining. You're putting everything into it that you have. And then he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you only. Let us hold true to what we have attained. Now, how many of us are mature as human beings? Maybe we're not mature believers, but we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And it happened to me that last in this past week. It's like God was saying, you know, 
proud and arrogant. You got to quit being this way and do what you're supposed to do. And when that happens, what do we how do we respond? Do we change or are we just put our head down, say this is how it's going to happen? He says, God will reveal. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And then he goes on. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you now, told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. Now, the first part, he's saying, imitate us. Paul himself is saying, imitate me. What I do, you do. But then he goes on to say, there are people that you know that aren't following this anymore. Maybe they did once. And he says, I'm telling you about this with tears. And if you know anybody who has been deceived, you know that that's a true statement because anytime you think about them, it, it hurts to watch them walk away from the way that they were trained, the way that they were taught. But, he says, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory. In their shame. Sorry. And then he continues with minds set on earthly things. And how often do we get sidetracked with that? Earthly things. You know, I work in a shop with guys that are quite a bit younger than me, and they think, number one, that I've never been outside of Cass County, and that I know nothing about the movies, which I'm glad I don't know most about what they talk about. But, uh, well, I bet you ain't never been to New York. I've been in Manhattan, thank you. (laughs) And I couldn't figure out how to get out. But anyway, they're always bringing up this stuff that it's just trash, really. And and they say, well, John, he's just a sheltered old man, you know. He don't know anything about all this stuff. Well, we don't want to have that. We don't want to have minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it... We await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Now, what's that saying? We win. That's what it's saying. If we follow him through our entire life, and do not be sidetracked by all these other things that he's already talked about, 
The earthly things, enemies, destruction, all of that. And people ask me questions that I can't answer. And it's like, I don't know what the answer to your question is, but I can tell you that Jesus is in control. And in the end, every knee will bow before him. And what happens to Diana asked me the other day, what's what's going to happen to Hitler? Well, I don't know. I'm not in charge of that. I don't know Hitler's heart when he died. I know what he did to millions and millions of people, and it was horrible. But he could have repented at the last minute and share heaven with me. I don't know. We don't have to worry about that. That's not our, thankfully, that's not our dilemma to be judge over the people that do horrible things. We're to be judge of ourselves and to be ready when God calls us home to judge us. And probably the most powerful verse is verse 21. Who will transform our lowly body. Do you ever talk down about yourself? I'm, I'm just a, and you fill in the blank, whatever it is. You know, I'm in Mission Aviation Fellowship, and I go out to Nampa, and here's these guys, advocates that come in, and they've been flying 747s all around the world for half their life, and and here me. And I say, well, I'm just a farmer. I say, no, I'm not just a farmer. I am a farmer. I love aviation. I love missions. Just because the pilot's sitting there beside me, doesn't make me this tall. So don't bad talk yourself. Don't talk yourself into something because that's not how God looks at you anyway. You're just a farmer. We sit at Nampa around a table with some people and they say, so what's a cowman do? So I started telling them. And it wasn't long until they didn't want me to tell them what I do. <laughs> you stick your arm in What? You do what? Well, it's just part of being a cowman. I mean, ask anybody here that's been around cows. That's how it is. But you see, when when you're looking at it the other way, then it's like, well, this guy can sit in a cockpit with computers all the way around him and he can fly this plane. Okay, but he can't do what I can do. Probably. <laughs> Don't belittle yourselves. Jesus is on the throne. He says, he is going to, Paul says, he will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. By the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. I listened to a song on YouTube. About Lazarus. And one of the lines is, if you think your little problem is too big for him to solve, think about that. 
Or maybe it's if you think your big problem is too big for him to solve. And it goes on to say the one who thrust his hand into the grave and drew me out. Lazarus is speaking. Drew me out of the grave and caused me to live again. We don't have any idea what that power is like. And we can tap into that, as Paul is saying here, to transform us into people who can attain over time, with the Lord's help, what he is asking us to do. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for this day, for each one who is here. And I pray that you would encourage them, strengthen them. And I know many are physically worn out, worn slick. And I just pray that you'd give us rest and help us to be ready to face another week serving you in whatever capacity that looks like in the coming week. In Jesus' name I pray.